good, all that is sacred, and in the warm and loving energy of this community, Spiritual Life Center. If you're joining us for the first time, we especially want to welcome you because we know that you are not here by accident. You're here by divine appointment. Thank you for joining us on your unique path today, and we hope you enjoy this special message from this past Sunday's service. Oh, thank you, Anne and Marie and Paula and our Soul Light Connection. As I mentioned in the earlier service, you know, they may have the football Super Bowl every year, but whenever they sing, we have Super Bowl every week. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and halftime for them right now. <laughs> well, there was a woman named Julia, not a real name. But she was a very successful business person, and she had a lot of achievements. By all measures of society, she was successful. But she always felt that she was not good enough. She compared herself to other people. She did this constantly. She often criticized herself unmercifully for every tiny mistake that she had made. And she all the time engaged in uh, negative self-talk. And all of this, of course, took a toll of her mental health. And she often felt exhausted, funny times unhappy, despite what appeared to be an idyllic life. And one day, uh, a friend had recommended that she check out some spiritual counseling from a person. And uh, she decided to go see a minister, a unity minister. She looked at all the others and said, well, they seem weird enough. <laughs> and so she went to this minister and she listened. That is, the minister listened to her. And, and she, she saw that she was constantly, you know, berating herself, putting herself down. And then the minister suddenly, you know, interrupted and just said to her unexpectedly, do you love you? She was kind of taken back and said, of course, you know, look at all I've done. Look at all the things I've achieved in my life. But she left that time with that minister, with that question stuck in her mind. And as she reflected upon it and deeply thought about it, she realized that she struggled with self-love because she had often got the message throughout her life that loving yourself was somehow selfish, somehow egotistical. And so she worked with that spiritual leader, and she learned more about self-love. And she started to understand that she was worthy of this loving presence and happiness, and she didn't need to compare herself to anyone else. And so she started to practice more self-care in her life and engage in activities that brought her joy. 
And she wrote a lot of positive statements around her and surrounded herself with positive people. And she noticed that her way of being, her health improved, and she became more confident, more resilient. And all of her relationships with others simply got better. And I believe that what she did, she practiced the rule of the greatest love. Now, we all understand the golden rule. It's, you know, not, not the one where it says that he who has the gold makes the rule. Not that one. That's another rule. That's another talk. Rather, the universal rule that says, do unto others as you have them do unto you. It's a beautiful rule. It's encased in every major religion in one way or another. I think there's a poster in the office that has all the different ways that it says that. But there's another rule within that rule. And Jesus made reference to it when he said, love thy neighbor as thyself, as thyself. This is the greatest love, which simply means to treat yourself as you want others to treat you. Treat yourself as you wish the universe to respond to you. you know, similarly, there was a story many, many years ago. I had a mundane job. I was working in a furniture store, and I had a friend. She was a teacher's assistant teacher's aide and the way that she described it she was of meager means and she said that really meant I didn't really have much money but I remember two things about her uh, one of the things that hers her house it was a nice small house very very simple but it had to be the most immaculate and most clean house I had ever seen in my life I don't know if you ever you know looked at a window at a place and your home and and, and the, the light is streaming through the window, and you can see these particles of dust coming down. You know, when you're looking at the stream of the window. Let me tell you, her house was so clean, she didn't have no dust like that. That's how clean her house was. But that's, that's neither here or there. But the second point I remember is that when we carpool from work, she worked like a block away from where we were, and we were both kind of, kind of making it through life. But each week that she would get paid, she would go by and look at this very expensive place that had house accessories. It was in a place called the Design District. And, you know, a lot of high-end interior decorators would go there and get stuff for their clients. But she would go into this one particular store and, and it had these magnificent items. And then there was one day that something caught her eye. It was a beautiful glasswork. I don't know quite what it was, but she just loved it. And she asked the owner, could she just get it on, back in those days, they were called layaway, you know? I don't know if you remember layaway, you know? Come in there, pay a little bit every week on it. And so the man agreed to do that. So week after week after, you know, we got off from work and she got paid, and she would come and make a little payments on it. Sometimes it might be a little bit, sometimes it would be more, depending upon, you know, what she had to pay that week. And I, I was very aware that, you know, my friend was really kind of going beyond her means, at least my interpretation. But she did it anyway. And eventually, after many weeks of making sure I stopped by there every week to pay a little bit on it, she, she owned it. And I was curious, and I said, you've been having me come by each week to stop by here to pay for this, what appears to be a very exquisite item, and... I know that your life sometimes is challenging, that you have a lot of stuff to take care of. And I know you're not rolling in dough. I could talk to her like that. And, you know, why do you do this? And so she talked me to her, her place that she lived, and she showed me a room. There's a special room that she said she had. 
And she said, I only allow the most beautiful things to come into this room because this is the place that I live. I live there. And the room was filled with positive words and affirmations and uplifting images, and, and you could not help but be inspired when you came into that room. And I realized looking back, because I didn't know all the stuff that she was doing and what this spiritual stuff was all about at the time, that she has a message, a message that's a metaphor for all of us today. And that is that we always live with ourselves. As that saying, saying goes, wherever you go, there you are. Stuff be going on, you move to another place, boom, you're still there. So we want to examine ourselves. And see what is it that we allow to remain in our awareness. Because remember the law of spiritual law of mind action that said thoughts held in mind produce after their kind. So we want to ask, is it beauty or is it crudeness of the day that we're keeping in our memory? How does our memory serve us? Do we remember the things that went wrong? Do we remember the obnoxious things that someone may have said about us? Do we think about you know, other people and, and just criticize them unceasingly? Because I know, I don't you know one here, but there's some people that criticize other people as if there's some sort of prize in it. You know, the more they do it, the more they apparently think they're being better in life. But understand, when we speak like that, they get the copy. We keep the original. We keeping that energy all the time. So we want to ask, do we allow where we live to be filled with beauty and upliftment? And I think therein lies an aspect of the greatest love, that treating ourselves well. You know, if you want to be treated well, you have to act as if you are, you know, you know putting yourself on a training program or putting the universe on a training program. Because when we do that, then we begin to create boundaries and, and we're able to communicate more effectively. We build stronger relationships because we're solid in who we are and what we're about and we're able to forgive ourselves easier. That makes it easier to forgive others. We're also easier to forgive others because it leads to conflict resolution. Understand that we can never love another beyond the love that we have for ourselves. There's only a, there's a limitation there. And as we allow for the development of that strategy to keep that beauty within us, more beauty rushes to us. Because what we're interested in is where our attention is. You know, that's what spiritual law says. Whatever you and I are interested in truly on a deep level, on an emotional level, that's what we experience. You know, Jesus said it this way, to lay up in treasures in heaven where dust and moth do not corrupt. And he was talking about a level of awareness of not using our memory, not using our mind, not using our being to hold fast to the negative, to hold fast to discontent, but to use this place as a repository of beauty and love. And we can do this. I think to express this greatest love, we want, like I said, to put ourselves on, a, on, a, on a, think of ourselves as being on that training program, remembering we train the universe and we train others around us by how we treat ourselves. And to the degree that we treat ourselves with excellence, with an exquisiteness, with a loveliness, with a compassionate hand, 
that we treat ourselves magnificently, we've enrolled the entire universe into our training. I think we want to accept on a deep level, on a profound level, even on a real level, that not only do we deserve the best, but we are the best that this universe, the force, God has to offer. But sometimes we're so hard on ourselves. We may put ourselves down in subtle and sometimes not so subtle ways. But as I like to say, God did not make junk. God did not make mistakes. God did not accidentally create anything. Who we are and what we are is the absolute best that God has offered as far as we are concerned. So we want to treat ourselves well. And that's not pampering the ego. Like I said, it's about taking compassionate hands and beginning to take time with ourselves. Like I said, sometimes people are so critical of themselves, but we want to be able to reverse that. You know, one of the techniques one of my teachers told me early on, I was trying to kind of reverse my life. He said that you want to look at yourself in a high level. So, you know, get up in the morning. The first thing in the morning, look in the mirror and just say these words. I love you. And he said, if, that, if you're not doing that at least once a day, he said, if your mirror does not have your lip prints on it, you need to start doing that every single day. Be nice to yourself. Encourage yourself. Love yourself. Even when we get money, you know, we have to pay ourselves. And like my friend, buy an extravagant gift or a non-extravagant gift, just some flowers. We don't necessarily think about paying all the bills first. We have to pay the bills, yes, but also pay ourselves. Take care of ourselves. You know, sometimes I like to say, you know, I, I wake up some days and I say, you know, it's been a long time since I took a bath. You know, let me go in the bathtub now, you know, and just put some bubbles in there and just put a whole lot in there and just have them floating all through the bathroom and, and just have a one-on-one conversation with the presence of God. And say, God, talk to me. Let's talk together. See how wonderful you are, how wonderful life is. Remind me of that. Because it's impossible to accept what is God's pleasure to give us if we're not training the universe to respond to the deep and pure intention of how we're treating ourselves. It's an impossibility for us to be walking around not giving ourselves enough time, not giving ourselves enough encouragement. Like I said, we need to be our best cheerleaders. We can't walk around not taking care of ourselves and then expect anyone else or the universe to respond in kind. That would be for the universe to act unlawfully. But the universe always acts lawfully, responding to the nature of the song within us, within our heart. So we don't want to say, oh, I don't have enough time. If we say that, you know, I don't have enough time, I'm overwhelmed, you know, sometimes we may get caught up into, you know, we run into the world scattered and tattered and so forth. And, and, and because we're training the universe to respond that way as a stack, scattered, tattered, frail, lackluster human being, the unlawful universe hears that prayer. That's basically what it says. Oh, you're saying I don't have enough time? The universe always answers our true held prayers. So if we say I don't have enough time in my life, it's overwhelming and say, I can't really get all this done. If you, the universe says, well, if you ain't got enough time for yourself, I ain't got enough time for you. So we don't want to do that. We don't want to send out that message. 
You know, so, you know sometimes you know, we beat ourselves up for making too many mis- mistakes. As I often mention, you know, a mistake is kind of like an actor. You know, when they're in a play or rehearsing for a movie or something, you know, they, you know, they may kind of mess up and they would say it's time to take, you know, take two, you know. So a mistake is just nothing more than a mistake. We always get a chance to do it again and again and again until we get it right. But oftentimes we end up committing malpractice with our minds, with our mentality, beating ourselves up. Some even try to beat themselves up so they can get into some place called heaven, which is right here and now. Sometimes we have a fantasy about all the so-called bad things we may have done or did not do, and we're afraid to face the presence of God because we think there's going to be some kind of retribution. But we know that God is love, so there is no God like that. But on some level, we might think so, unconsciously. You know, as uh, Landers are talking about, our unconscious beliefs are the wings that are running us. So before God can beat us up, let me say say to ourselves, let me beat myself up first. In hopes that if God can see me beat myself up, God will have mercy on me. You know what I'm talking about. You may wake up and start saying, oh, my God, I'm a bad person. I messed up. Uh, I made a mistake. I'm a a sinner. Oh, my God. And you say, oh, God, are you seeing this? Uh, I'm terrible. I'm not worthy. I'm hoping that God is saying, oh, look at him. Look at her. I guess they're going to release that person from the law of mind action that their words are creating their experience. There's no God like that. The universe acts lawfully. And the moment we step into the kingdom of God awareness, God consciousness, loving consciousness, we stop beating up ourselves and open ourselves up to the love that is there all the time. So we don't want to beat ourselves up. We keep ourselves in bondage and limitation. Rather than practice the greatest love, you know, we often see ourselves, we need to see ourselves, I should say, as the highest expression of God with unconditional love. There's a dynamic energy an impulse waiting to be expressed through us. We just have to open up ourselves to receive it. You know, I mentioned, you know, one time I had heard about what they do in Morocco. You know, a person could be walking down the street and there's a friend that comes up to them and says something to them like, oh, you're wearing a magnificent garment today. And rather than say, oh, this old thing, they respond and say, Oh, it's true. Thank you. Or someone may say, oh, I love your brilliant smile. And they will say, oh, it's true. Thank you. And and then someone may say, oh, I love the way that you're just walking with such dignity as you go down to the street and go into the the store to get your goods for the day. And they'll say, respond by saying, oh, it's true. Thank you. We want to have that kind of same attitude. When that great energy comes to us, we don't want to deflect it in any way, shape, or form. We want to open up ourselves to the goodness of the universe and know that it's true. Thank you. We want to affirm that over and over and over ourselves. So as I enter into this, we all enter into this Valentine's Day week. I just want to say that you're beautiful. And you can say, do you really believe it? Let me say, you, have, you are magnificent. It is true. It's God's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. It is true. I accept all my good right now. It is true. 
as we begin to affirm that and believe that, make that part of our awareness, we become the walking energetic of all the good and the love that this magnificent universe has for us. We don't deflect it at all. We accept it. And as we accept it, more good comes into our life. So as we head into Valentine's Day, remember you want to give out all the love. Start by loving yourself. And then you'll have all the love to give to the rest of the world. Peace and blessings to you. We are grateful for the opportunity to share with you today and hope you've taken something from this Sunday's message. If you'd like to hear more from Spiritual Life Center, be sure to click subscribe on the podcast platform you're listening from. You can find out more about our community on our website at www.slcworld.org. We look forward to being a part of your continued spiritual journey. Wherever you are, God is, and all is well. Spiritual Life Center